the Sluts and Scholars. Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And God, this feels fucking good to, to record an episode. Um, I'm so excited. We are joined this week by none other than Naz Perez, who's a TV producer. She's a host. She's a podcaster. She started on Ellen DeGeneres. Then she went to E! Entertainment. And then she produced five fucking seasons of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, she's not doing that anymore because she's currently pursuing a career on camera as an amazingly funny host. Um, and she does it for like Fandango and the LA Dodgers and Clever News on YouTube. <laughs> and she also has her own fucking podcast called the I Don't Get It podcast, which is her and Ashley I. And I was on it. Bachelor. And, yep. And Ashley I's sister, Lauren. Yep. Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually how you Oops. pronounce it. Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> It sounds like something from Twin Peaks. Lauren. <laughs> Lauren. Anyway, we're not going to talk Twin Peaks. Uh, Naz, hi. Oh my God, hi. That was so uncomfortable sitting through that whole bio. That's like Why? so nice of you guys. Because you've done so many amazing things. To mention all my credits. Um, I am so excited oh, to be here. Hold on. Why? What's up? I forgot to mention Heartbroken Anonymous. Ah, yeah, that's like the main reason we're here. So what? why yeah. don't you tell us what is well, Heartbroken? Founded this. Yeah. What is it? So Heartbroken Anonymous is a support group for people that are heartbroken. And it's basically almost like it's, I compare it to AA. It's very much like Alcoholics Anonymous, um, but for heartbreak. And I'm currently really trying to break the stereotype of what heartbreak is because I feel like when people hear the word heartbreak, they think, oh, divorce or a guy dumped a girl or a girl dumped a guy. But really, heartbreak is emotional distress, right? So it could be losing a pet, um, feeling like you can't pursue your dream. Um, the people that come to my meetings... So it's really like a grief and loss group. Exactly. It's more like a grief and loss group, but the reasons... So It I doesn't really carry that stigma. Right. So I hold a meeting once a month, um, and I can get into like why I started in a second, but the people that come... Like, someone came because they were homeless... And they feel like they get more respected when they have something in their hand. So this guy literally goes dumpster diving just to find like a Starbucks cup and put it in his hand because he's like, I feel more respected um, when I have something in my hand. He's like, and that's my heartbreak, that I'm more respected when there's a material item in my hand. There's another woman Whoa. that came whose daughter was autistic. And she's like, every time I take my daughter to play at the playground, I go in my car and I start hysterical crying because all the other kids on the playground, you know, aren't... Like don't, they're playing with each other. Yeah, don't have disabilities. And I just feel like it's so unfair and I can't even talk to my husband about it. Oh. So it's really, heartbreak is just, it's so unrequited love is heartbreak. I mean, that's the the most heartbreak that I've experienced personally is really liking someone that doesn't like you back. So yeah. Heartbroken Anonymous, I'm really trying, it is a support group for people that are heartbroken, but heartbreak can mean so many things. I wish that I would have known about this group like when I have been going through any heartache because I think it's also um, like a physical pain. Mm -hmm. Like people experiencing some type of yeah. heartache, whether that be breakup or whatever it is, like it, you physically feel it in your body. Like I think it can make you sick. I remember after one breakup I had, like I was like throwing up and just mm -hmm. couldn't eat and it, mm -hmm. it like it was physically sickening. 
It really is. And yeah. a, a reason why I started it is obviously because Simone mentioned that I like worked on The Bachelor, but I um I had quit The Bachelor to pursue on-camera stuff. And my neighbor, who I'd only met in passing, um, knocked on my door and she was hysterical crying. Mm-hmm. And I opened the door and she's like, I really just need to talk to someone. And I thought it was like kind of weird because I didn't really know her. And so I let her in. And just like you were saying, Nicoletta, she had this like, physical pain like where she just like fell to the ground like it was so bad wow and so I listened to her story basically her story was you know she was with a guy for 12 years and he moved out and yada 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 long story short I listened to her story and she's like I feel so much better talking to you and I was like why and she's like I can't talk to my mom or my sister about this because they hate him so basically whenever she calls them they're like you're so much better than him or you know He's crazy. Like, get That's over a really it. Good point. And I feel like that is the actual, literal worst thing to hear in that moment when you're going through a heartbreak, like a romantic relationship type of heartbreak, right? Yeah, it's like you're not giving the person enough time to grieve that loss. I think as humans, we know that, right? Like, like when I was going through a heartbreak, I was like, I know I'm a badass. I know I'm a good person. I know maybe I'll find someone else. But in that moment... Did you know that, though? Because I feel like there's been times where people don't know that. Like, you do question it. Like, am I, I going like to meet someone again? Heartbreak, yeah, that's a good point. I feel like every breakup I have, if this was someone, even if it's not necessarily like a, a painful breakup per se, mm-hmm. I'm always like, is anybody ever going to love me that much again? Is every anybody ever going to want to fuck me that badly again? Like, and I just feel like there's no way that I could get that lucky. Yeah, there's so those are such normal feelings to feel through a heartbreak. Uh, often questions that are like so common that you ask yourself are like, am I ever going to find someone that's going to love me the way that they loved me? How can I make this feeling go away? Mm-hmm. You know, like, am I ever going to recover from this? Like, those are such normal things. And I think that's why we don't go to the people closest to us when we're in a heartbreak because sometimes we feel judged. Mm -hmm. And after my neighbor had knocked on my door and the reason why she knocked on my door, I think was because I had worked on Bachelor and she knew that I had like talked to people that were (laughs) through their heartbreak experience, (laughs) which was just like a weird, crazy thing that like happened. I actually went through my own heartbreak and then I started thinking about, and it's funny how the universe works because I had never been in love before up until this person. And then I was going through like an excruciating, like, you know, that emotional pain where you're, you're waking up every morning looking at your phone and you're like, D- are they ever going to text me again? Am I ever going to hear from them again? Oh, yeah. Just all that anxiety where you just like, I need to work out. I need to constantly be occupied or I'm going to be thinking about this person. Or you're driving around certain areas and you're like, oh, I can't go in that restaurant anymore because that was our restaurant. And it's just, yeah. it's so... Oh, everything is tainted by them. It's so mentally consuming and it really physically hurts. Um, And so I started thinking about that concept. Like, that's so crazy that this person was willing to tell a stranger their most emotional, tumultuous, like, feelings, then they're willing to tell their own friends and family. Like, that's crazy. So that's I mean, that's, like, why therapy is important, I guess, because it's someone who's, I mean, they're still a human being, but a little bit more objective. Right. A hundred percent. What do you think is the difference between your group and, like, going to a therapist? So the thing with my group is I'm obviously not a certified anything. Like we're not here to like kind of tell you what to do with your life and your current situation. My belief is that there's more hope in togetherness than being alone. In community. Exactly. And community. So if you come and you listen to someone else's story, you're giving them your time and you're being there for them. Yeah, like bearing witness to their experience. Exactly. And then you're sharing Mm -hmm. your own 
And I, I always end the meetings like saying, like, I know that when everyone's in pain, you're asking yourself, how can I make this feeling go away? And I wish I could take that feeling away from everyone in the world. I really wish I could take heartbreak away from- Masturbation. <laughs> That's like a very momentary help, yeah. I feel like. But I can't. Fine, just make yourself come for like seven hours straight. And then you're We're good. not all multi- multiple orgasmic, okay? Yeah, I need help <laughs> in that tomorrow. Sorry for your loss. But, um, but if, I can, if I can make you feel less alone for one hour, mm. you know, I, I truly feel like loneliness yeah. is an epidemic. Like I feel like so many people are innately lonely and so many people come to the meeting, they walk in as strangers and they leave as friends and it is the coolest fucking thing to see because they start thinking like, oh, I'm not the only person that feels this way. And I think we mm. walk down the street. I mean, you take a city like New York, you know, where you're in the subway, you're surrounded by thousands of people you don't know and they're all going through the same thing you are. And everyone's probably on their phone. Exactly. I mean, it's tough because I think that is the thing that a lot of people come into my office with. It's just not wanting to feel a certain way anymore, especially around grief and loss. And Mm -hmm. I wish there was like an easy fix it, but there's no way other than through it. Right. Like you have to get through those feelings and Mm -hmm. that it's just, it sucks. But to be with somebody in that shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point that it just sucks and you have to get through it. I remember, um, my last like really painful great breakup was um, two summers ago. It was like in 2016 or something. And it was the breakup had been amicable. And then the person did a really shitty thing after the fact. Mm. And it just like broke me and destroyed me. And they like weren't, I was trying to get closure and to understand why they had done this horrible thing and they mm-hmm. weren't communicating with me. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, it was like, so painful and it was like right around their birthday. So I'd like blocked out all that time to spend with it. Was, it was very painful. And I was like keening. I don't know if you know what keening is, but it's like what the Greek, what people do in Greek tragedy when they like get onto their knees and just like wail. And I remember talking to my sister about it and I was like, this is so horrible. Like what is going on? And she was like, you know what? It's going to suck. And tomorrow's probably also going to suck. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to suck for a while. Right. But then one day, it's just going to suck less mm-hmm. and less and less. Yeah. And that, like, really was very helpful for me. It's so true. And that's why, you know, with my group, I'm obviously not also, trying to... therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and I recommend therapy for everyone. Unfortunately, not everyone can afford it. But um, right, but I think... I don't think there's a there should be a competition between, between group work and therapy. Right, like, right. I think group work exactly. is an amazing, like, adjunct mm-hmm. to any therapy because, yeah, it's great to come into therapy and have maybe a less biased, more objective person to to talk with and process mm-hmm. things with. But it's so important to have community. Right. So people that I work and with. Hugs. And hugs. Therapists yeah, human touch. You. I know, I know. And there's such like power in that. Like both my partner and I are currently going through some like difficult personal things. And Aww. we like recently cried together. And it was like, Aww. I mean, yeah, it's painful, but it was like so lovely to be able to embrace and cry like with somebody yeah. at the same time. And just know that there's like people out there that care, you know, it yeah. like every meeting makes me believe in humanity again. And I think- How what, many people usually show up? So it's, we average everywhere from seven to 20 people. I actually like 10 people wow. to come because I, unlike an Al-Anon or an AA, I don't time people. So normally if you go to an AA meeting, you have like, a, you have like four to five minutes to share. Um, I think with stories of heartbreak, there's so much- you know, longer than that or there's so much into it that I like it to be 10 people. So it's like 10 people have 10 minutes to talk. But um, but yeah, anywhere from seven to 20. But 
what I was going to say is it's just like being heartbroken is one of the most complicated feelings in the entire world. Because on one side of the spectrum, you're like, let's say you break up with like a guy or a girl. You're like, oh, I really don't want them to ever call me again. Like this is the worst pain I've ever felt. I'm literally keening, like you were saying. Oh yeah, I didn't know that word before, but I've definitely done that. This is the actual worst pain ever. And then on the other side of the spectrum, at the exact same time, you're like, I really want them to call me. You're like, I really, really want them to call me. And how fucking weird and complex and crazy is that? For you to feel those two opposite things at the same time. Totally. So confusing. It's so confusing. And that's why I think people need a place to go where they don't feel judged, where they feel like they can say whatever they want, whatever is on their mind, and know that they're not alone. Are you ever concerned, or I don't know exactly what goes down in the meetings, but Mm -hmm. are you ever concerned that maybe it sometimes might validate or encourage unhealthy behavior? Not that there necessarily is an unhealthy behavior, but I know, like, when I was in with my heartbreak, like, I would do, like, fucked up shit, like, drive by their apartment all the time, like, to see if I could, like, catch a glimpse of them. Right. Which is, like, very weird and fucked up, and I'm ashamed. <laughs> that is an extremely valid question, Simone, because when I first started it, that was my biggest fear, right? I was like, well, am I going to be liable, you know, if people are coming and they're, like, sharing crazy things? And and that actually hasn't happened. And the one requirement you need to be a part of my group is to have hope. And we actually end each meeting saying something we're grateful for. And it's actually weird because when everyone shares their stories of heartbreak, it's so weird. Like without me telling them or anything, like people just sharing, they always end the story with, but I'm doing a little bit better now. And I know that that's not normal. But also... Um, to flip that, I don't want people to feel weird and crazy if they are doing drive-bys. I was just going to say that. So, like, I think it's the same thing, Simone, is like, for me, if, as a someone saying, if you talk to your kids about sex, they're mm-hmm. going to have more sex. Right. It's being like, we can talk about these things that make us feel crazy, that make us question, like, why we're doing them. Like, uh, I have the urge to go to their house or I have the urge to burn their house down. Right, <laughs> like, right. Whatever. And to mm-hmm. just normalize that you're not crazy in that feeling. And to me, that, like maybe mitigates the urge to do it. A hundred percent. And when That's people, a really good point. When people And I also found out that he drove by my apartment too all the time. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't fucking Which done Which is that? validating. I have totally done that. But it's so funny you you brought that, <laughs> that you brought that up, Simone, because one woman in one meeting literally said one day, it has been, this is her exact phrase. She goes, it has been two months and three days since I have checked his Instagram and done a drive-by by his house. And that And that's day, something to be celebrated. That's amazing. And that day I was like, holy fuck, this is the AA version of heartbreak. Because that's what people say, right? Did you yeah. get a coin? <laughs> like, you get a chip. You should get an I didn't stop exactly. on social media chip. I, right, that's what I'm saying. Oh my God, or guys. Like, I, I wish I'd get my one day one today. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that crazy that that is almost like the equivalent? It's so insane. But one thing that... One thing that I also realized that that happened through the group that I had no intention of like seeking was a lot of people that come to the group are addicts. They're either alcoholics or addicts of something else or drug abuse. And I realized one meeting that I feel like heartbroken anonymous meetings are helping people fix the core and the root the of why issue. they're drinking and why they're using as opposed to going... You know, and again, like you said, it's not in competition. I just think it's an adjunct with, but I feel like Heartbroken Anonymous is helping you open up about the reason why you feel like you need to do that. And a lot of the times it's heartbreak of some sort. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And it's crazy because I'm like, no one's talking to these people about this. So, you, you know, you, what are the demographics? What are the demographics of the group? Oh, my God. That's like, like my how favorite old, question. How young, what are the genders? My favorite question ever. So when I had my first meeting, I remember I was like looking at venue spaces and I went to an Al-Anon meeting to do research um, just to kind of see how the format was. What did you think of it? I thought it was so cool and like so helpful because I would never, I don't. Fortunately for me, like I would never have to go to one of those meetings because I don't have a family member that is an alcoholic, but it was um, it was extremely helpful and useful to me. And so I went there and I found a space. We do it at Open Space in the Fairfax Village on Los Angeles. It's a coffee shop and I rent out the room in the back cool. the second Thursday of every month. But um, I remember my first meeting, I was like freaking out because Cosmo called me and they're like, we want to do an article on this, like former bachelor, like starting therapy groups for a heartbreak. And I was like, it's not a therapy group. It's a support group. <laughs> and um, and I remember being like so freaked out because I'm like, shit, this is like in a magazine. And like, what if no one comes? And like, what if this sucks? Like, you know, if there's no, if no one comes, like I'm just going to feel so dumb. Like, why did I do this to myself? Yeah. And in the first meeting, there were literally 13 people and there were black, white, gay, transgender, someone who had never been in a heartbreak, someone who did the heartbreak. Uh, There was a Hispanic woman, there was an alcoholic. And I was like, this is insane. Like this transcends all of it. Like the meeting I had this month's meeting, um, we had two straight guys and we had really yeah two straight guys which i love when straight guys come because i feel like when women get in a circle yes. to talk about heartbreak they're like all men suck like why are they all like this but that's not true men hurt in the same way we do and i think there's just shitty people oh, out there whether i love this yeah it's incredible and a lot of the straight guys actually that came to this october meeting were saying like i can't even talk to my friends about this because a lot of them are going to be like, man up. They're literally like, bro, she's crazy. Like, you're going to save so much more money Yeah, let's go out and pick up some new people tonight. And men need to talk about this stuff too. Like, this shit is the worst. Like, I mean, we all know sometimes you just feel like you want to die or you're not good enough or Mm -hmm. like you're never going to find someone else. And that's a feeling across races, genders, orientations. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's the reason why people love The Bachelor, right? Like, love is universal. And I've always been fascinated by the concept of love, why someone would move across the country for someone just for love, why someone would root for a certain sports team just because they love them. Like that concept has always been so fascinating to me. And and love is so universal. And yeah, we had a, a high schooler in that first meeting. And wow. I think the <gasps> oldest person that's come has been like in their 50s or 60s. Would you say that um, doing work on The Bachelor like really inspired you to start this? I think a lot of people who watch it would maybe be like, is that real heartbreak? You know, you know mm-hmm. this person for however many weeks, but like yeah. you witnessed it yeah. firsthand. Yeah, it's so hard to explain to people that just like watch the show like at home on their couch. Like so many people are like... Like, like Simone and I. <laughs> we yeah. don't watch it at home on our couch. We watch it as part of a queer feminist bachelor watching group. Thank you very much. Yes, I fucking love it. I mean, it's crazy. Like we, when I worked on the show, the show averages like 17 million viewers. You know, wow. it's like it, it airs in 221 countries. Like, it's crazy, but a lot of people are like, are there even 221 countries? Or 221 regions or counties. <laughs> you, you would know, Simone. I know, I'm you like would know. Dumb. <laughs> I'm dumb. Like whenever I talk to Simone, I'm like, I don't know. You fucking know. You're like smart. <laughs> Fact check this, Simone. Um, 
Yeah, I think I there am. are. I'm on it. I think there are. There's 195 countries. And that <laughs> okay. is including Holy See and the state of Palestine. Okay, so then it's in 200, 221 but regions. maybe they're also counting things like indigenous regions like Kurdistan, for example. <laughs> maybe. I don't think anyone in Kurdistan is watching The Bachelor. If you're listening and you're in Kurdistan, reach out. This is hilarious. But basically, I feel like I've been around so many people and some people were like, Naz, is the show real? Like, is it scripted? Like, blah, blah, blah. Why would you go on TV to find love? And honestly, like in this day and age, how do you like meet someone on a dating app, right? Um, and when you look at someone, you basically have a dossier on like who they are. You can like stalk them on Instagram. Oh yeah, I just need a first name and a job title. Exactly, you can Google I them. I do that. Oh, okay, but... Okay, wait. Simone, who are, so are, yeah, who are you? <laughs> it's really not okay, normal no, that you're not stalking people. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm the outlier in this, but when I... I've done apps. I haven't done a ton of apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't done them in a while, so it might be different now. Right. But I remember being super weirded out when people... I did, I did Hinge... And then I did Tinder, but I only did Tinder for women. So I I always got confused when people were like, what's your IG? And I was like, why does that <laughs> your matter? Your Instagram? Like, oh, you're right. You, okay, you knew what it no, was. I know what IG means. Okay, I thought you didn't know what IG means. <laughs> you're like, that's why she's not looking because she doesn't know what IG means. That's so funny. <laughs> no, but I guess I guess I just feel like, I don't know, when I meet somebody, if I, if I meet them at a bar or a party right. or something, I want, or even on the internet, I, like, want to see what they choose to reveal about themselves. Like, I don't want to get in... I don't know. I want to yeah. know what like, they're not revealing. something. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is, like... But you don't... But I respect your stance on that, Simone, and I wish more people were like that, but they're not. And unfortunately, <laughs> like, a lot of... And, and I'm not saying everyone in the world is on dating apps. That's definitely not true. Like, people meet in real life still, but... I'm just saying, in this day and age, you can just Google someone and know how much money they make. You can know who their friends are. You can look up their Instagram, know where they live. But on you the can Bachelor, know how much money they make. Yes. Yeah. But on the Bachelor, someone just walks out of a limo, and you have no idea where they're from, who they are, how old they are, if they have kids or not. And I just feel like, <sighs> yeah, it is a really fucking and great way. And then you get to find out in one hour a week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what? I, exactly. A slow. A slow. Slow burn. Yeah. Well, all of us at home, you know, all of us at home do. But I guess what I just mean is that I think, you know, the show is real and it's actually more real than ever now. It's, I personally feel like it's a better way to meet someone because you're meeting people from all around the country that are all different, you know, demographics and you don't, you're not prejudging them based Mm. off things that you can find about them online because you don't know them. And you can't have like your phone or anything while you're on the show. So you're not really like cyber stalking them in the meantime. It's like going on a yoga retreat. It's like you're going on a retreat to find love, essentially. Like, who wouldn't want to travel around the world? But back to your original question, question, Nicoletta, which was, you know, did I feel like working on The Bachelor and, like, experiencing heartbreak kind of set me up to start Heartbroken Anonymous? And I think absolutely. I think when you get really close with someone and you, you're you on this emotional journey with them, and, you know, just like when you're talking to a friend and, like, your friend's like, I broke up with this guy for this reason. Mm-hmm. What do you immediately do in your mind? You're like, would I break up with this person? Like, for that reason? You kind of, like, relate things back to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's just been such a cool... I just feel, like, so lucky that I've been able to just talk to people and figure out reasons why they do certain things and why they don't and why they love someone and why they wouldn't love someone. And it's just... It's really interesting. And I think that... And, and just being a good listener... You know, and not giving advice. I think Why is exactly what's Why do people not love someone? I mean, I think 
I don't know if I could like say like a reason, but I guess what I mean is like, let's say Nicoletta went on a date with a guy and she like really, really liked him one week. But then the next week she made out with him and his breath had like garlic in it. And she's like, I can't date him anymore. <laughs> that's, oh God, not, that's my dream date. That's not something that I would feel. This is a really dumb, stupid example, but it's something that- Right, like a if that was a deal out breaker there, for me. Feel. Exactly. So it's more just like- realizing deal breakers and what certain people accept in a relationship and what they expect. And I mean, you guys are definitely experts in this realm. I feel like you've talked to a lot of people as well, you know, on like what monogamy means. And I mean, I think the the heartbreaking thing when I've watched the breakups on The Bachelor um, is just how catastrophic the loss becomes. So it goes to, a. I mean, I'm I'm sure you're cutting, you know, certain things out because, you know, drama in some ways, but they're real feelings that people seem to be experiencing, but they'll immediately go to places like, I will never be loved or like, I've been trying so hard and this just isn't working Mm -hmm. for me. Am I ever going to find Mm -hmm. somebody like it? It goes to these catastrophic places and those are like familiar feelings and places that I can connect yeah. with from things that haven't worked out for me. Like, what's wrong with me? And that me? even happens on, like, the first night. Yeah, it's it's honestly so amazing because people that go on the show are willing to open up and be vulnerable to the world. Like, like when I went through my heartbreak, I don't know if I could do that with, like, a lens in my face. Yeah. Like, how I felt. And, like, you really are being open. You really are opening your entire relationship to the world, whether it totally. works out or not. And I think when it doesn't work out, it's even more catastrophic, right? Because you're just like, oh my God, everyone just saw that. But yeah, exactly what you were saying. Like we all kind of feel the same things deep down. I think that's like what the root of everything is, is that we're all just so similar. But it's like a car wreck because you can't look away. (laughs) Yeah, Like you're like, I feel so terrible for this person. I know this feeling and like I'm, you know, I can't stop watching. Yeah, and you... But you also want to root for them, you know? You want to root for them. You want to root them, but I think there's also something very cathartic about, like, witnessing someone else's heartbreak, which I think comes exactly back to why Heartbroken Anonymous is so important and successful, right? Like, that whole, like, being in community, like, seeing people claiming, like, I'm scared I'm never going to be loved before, seeing people getting broken up with, it it normalizes it, and under this guise of reality TV, it, it makes it real. And then to answer your point, Nicoletta, about like the intensity of emotion that sometimes seems to cast like catch us off guard, I feel, and I don't know much about how the show actually goes down, but you're like locked in a house with like 20 other women. Mm-hmm. And the only thing, and, and all you have to do is like look forward to the next time you're going to spend time with this guy. And like, you don't have phones. You're like not allowed to have like magazines. There's, literally all you do is like think about this person Mm-hmm. So I I don't know how either of you feel about emotions, but I feel like I'm pretty good at convincing myself that I feel some way about someone if I like think about it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes total sense. I feel like it's exactly how we all feel at home anyway. Like when I like someone, even though I'm at work, I'm like constantly checking my phone. I'm like, when am I going to hear from them again? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm looking forward to the second date if the first one really went well. So, yeah, exactly what you're saying, Simone. Imagine how it used to be. Why aren't they allowed to have phones? I just think it takes away, like, it would just be a huge distraction. You just have to think of, like, just anything on set. You know, if you were if you were having a show with, like, actors on set and everyone was, like, allowed to have their phone in their pocket, that just wouldn't... How would you even be able to, like, make a show with that many people? And I just think it really is good to disconnect 
you know, from the world and just focus on like the one thing that you want, which is to find love. But obviously, like, I'm not contractually allowed to, like, speak on behalf of the show. Oh, like, I just, so no you, juicy stories. No juicy stories. Like, I used to work there. But, yeah. I mean, I just don't see how any any production, like, any movie would want, like, anyone to, like, have their phones on it. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> but did working on the show, like, make you feel like love was more easily obtainable or less? That's, I love that question. So I started working on Bachelor. I had n- I've never had a boyfriend to this day. And when I started working on it, my only ex- how do you define boyfriend? Um, exclusive. I love that question as well. <laughs> so like a guy is exclusively just dating me. Yeah. Okay. Um. So my only experience with men. Um. I'm from South Florida, so I haven't had like the best. You know, I had a crazy college experience. I've dated a lot of guys. I've hooked up with a lot of guys, but I never had like one guy that was like exclusive to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was only introduced to like a certain kind of person. Like you know, when you live in a certain region, like a lot of the people are the same just because <laughs> of the location that they live in. So you're saying South Florida was not the place for you? I just feel like the type of guy, typically, not obviously everyone that is in South Florida, like wasn't the type of guy that I wanted to end up with like for life. And I can't even tell you, Simone, on my first day of working, I remember because I started on The Bachelorette actually. And so I met 25 guys from different parts of the country. And I was like, this is amazing. So you were motivated to move around. I was just... Did you you maybe attempt to thwart their success with The Bachelorette so you could get them? (laughs) No, no, never, never. It was like... I could 100% see myself doing that. (laughs) No, because I don't know if I would actually fall in love with someone that like would go on a reality TV show or want to be on reality TV in general. (laughs) Not that like they aren't, you know what I mean? It's just like not the type of... Because I work in it, you know how sometimes people just don't want to be with someone that does the same exact thing that they do. Yeah. Like I kind of so don't be too close. Right. I don't I don't want to date someone in the entertainment industry. But my point being is that I there were all these guys and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's so nice and he's from Kentucky and like he's so gentleman. Like and it would it totally opened and broadened my eyes as to like what a good guy is. It really did. Yeah, but like, probably also doesn't think you should have your own credit card. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? I was making a joke about <laughs> Misogyny. Oh, no. Don't no. worry about it. No, there were a lot of, no, there were a lot of good guys on there. I was I'm like, sure. what do you mean? Who who didn't let someone have their own credit card? That would be a deal breaker. Women could not have their own credit card until 1971. Really? That's so recent. You're always full of like facts that I, I'm not surprised by, but I'm just well, like also Well, that's a meme that's been going by. around. Oh, well. So also, well, marital, obviously all memes also are marital accurate. rape doesn't even exist in a lot of statutes. Like, there's still really? a marital carve-out for rape statutes wow. in some states. Yeah. Clearly, anyway, in law school. they are nice. Simone they is such a wealth of knowledge. I love I talking to her. Every time I talk to you, Simone, you learn I, like, something. I really do. Same. And, like, I just feel like we need more Simones in the world. I want you to, like, run for office. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Sluts for office. Would, like, play, oh, my God. Sluts, sluts for, for office. office. They, would, like, they would, like, dig up some of the most probably fucked up shit that I've said on this podcast. But listen to Simone saying cunt and they just like have all the times I say cunt. I don't know. Yeah, but that's also anyway. what's wrong with the world is that everyone just wants to dig up people on everyone. And it's like no one's... Yeah, we need we need more politicians that yeah. say cunt in a respectful exactly. way. Exactly. 100%. That's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to Not in a Trump say. way, like in, a, yeah. in another kind of way. Yeah. Um, something that's interesting... No, no, no. The fuck my cunt way. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> in, a, in a fun way. Um, <laughs> we talk a lot about non-monogamy on yeah. the podcast, like alternative lifestyles and things. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because... 
while people are looking for, quote-unquote, like, the one Mm -hmm. on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, Mm -hmm. they are sort of doing, like, polyamory, or at least one-sided polyamory. Mm -hmm. Like, what are your your thoughts on that? I don't know. I... I truly feel like it's just a reflection of what happens in the real world. Like you're dating yeah. lots of people and yeah, figuring I just think out you're what dating. works. I think you can be in love with two people. I think it's like good for the show to show all that stuff because I feel like our society, and I would love, I would look to you guys to answer this. I feel like our society is still extremely traditional, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's good to showcase that like you can love more than one person and yeah. like, yeah, that sucks and it hurts, but it's like totally like real. And Which is wild because from moment well, to moment. Well, it only has to hurt if you're forced to pick one. Right, but it's that's what's hard is at the end, you watch them have a really emotional like heartbreak mm-hmm. and then they have to go and be happy for the person they're going to propose to. And like, even yeah, for someone- Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, which is why that whole Becca thing was such good TV. Right, but I mean, I don't like the way he did that, but I got why, you know, that that can happen. But I feel like it was just such a an example of, you know, how non-monogamy works, whereas a lot of people would be like, oh, you broke up with one partner, it doesn't matter because you have others. Like, you still might need to grieve the loss of one right. while you're yeah. excited about the yeah. other. yeah. No, it it is definitely a weird feeling. I mean, we just on our I Don't Get It podcast, our podcast this week is called I Object. And it was all about people that objected at a wedding. And a lot of them, it's incredible. And a lot of them were people that were in love or like with a person that was getting married or like having an affair or like, and it's just, it's all real. It's all out there. You know what I mean? It's not just like, being showcased on The Bachelor. How, like people, what were some stories that you heard? Yeah, oh I'm my sure people God. can go listen to your pod, but tell us a little. Yeah, so there was one podcast where, or one one podcast, one story. <laughs> sorry, I'm so out of... So there was one story where... It's just this conversation's heating up. <laughs> there's one story where um, a guy was kind of like in love with the bride. Mm-hmm. And so he objected. He was also <laughs> happened to be really good friends with the groom. Whoa. And... Um, he objected. Like and, on the wedding day? Like in the moment. Like wow. stand up or forever hold your peace, whatever they say. And you're like, and he no. was like, Yeah, and he was like, no. And then he was escorted out. And then I think the two, the two fathers got in like a fight. <gasps> and I think the wedding still went through. And I, she was married to the guy, I think for four years. And then all of a sudden she had a baby, but the baby looked like the guy that objected. <gasps> so I don't know what's happening with them now, but it was so fucking juicy. Did they call in or you just like collected these stories so from these other were, people? So these are the people that called in were people that were witnesses of it. Wow. So it was a person at the uh, wedding that like called in. Yeah. That's wild. So crazy. Oh my God. But anyway, gosh. so yeah, back to the whole point. It's like, you know, this shit fucking happens. Yeah. It's terrifying, but I it bet happens. there's like I bet there's like a whole conference room of reality TV executives like so bummed that they didn't that like they aren't catching I object (laughs) (laughs) I mean I could just start producing yeah you totally could (laughs) you could you could be like are you planning on objecting to your friend's wedding let us know. <laughs> but we'll be like, there to not, film it. I don't think I no, I'd have to sell a part of my soul to the devil to do a show like that. Like to know <laughs> that someone's wedding was gonna get ruined and want to capitalize and not on say it. anything. Yeah, that's Maybe not that's not my wedding. brand. That's TV. That's not my brand. <laughs> okay, I'll make it. <laughs> okay, you make it. I'll watch it. Um, I'm just curious. I still want to touch a little bit more on the non-monogamy thing before yeah. we move on. Because what I think is so interesting is like you said, it reaches the show, Bachelor reaches 17 million viewers. It's so ubiquitous in terms of the um, women from, I would say, like 18 to 45 demographic of the United States of America. Um, 
Actually, the average and viewer is lo- 51. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Wow. I'm so off. But I also thought See, there were 221 countries. So we'll take <laughs> so that we with a know. grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> These are all facts and I worked there back When in you the said day. 221, I didn't question that. Yeah. So. <laughs> it could be markets. It could be markets. I think it was markets. But anyway, so for so- example, in the United States, there's like Western. Anyway, it's right, right. not the interesting part of our conversation. <laughs> um, Maybe it's interesting to you. Um, I do like, I do like facts. Um... <laughs> I do. I love trivia. I haven't played trivia since I moved to New York. So get at me if there's any of you in New York and you want me to be on your team. (laughs) So the average age is 51. Um, A lot of people are like traditional. Um, Even the people that go on the show, I would say half of them at least have like a pretty conservative upbringing. So why do you think we so readily accept this one-sided non-monogamy thing? Like, what? and I don't remember really the first season of The Bachelor. I don't know how much you know about it, but mm-hmm. were people, was anybody like outraged? I don't, I, I can't speak to like what people's criticism of it was. I actually have no idea. But I just think, I mean, at the end of the day, I think like, yeah, some old habits die hard, but some stick to to the day you die. And I think it's just really the way you're raised. Like, I was raised, I could kind of change my mind, you know, if I meet a lot of people along the way in my travels of living my life. But ever since I was little, I, like, grew up watching Disney, and my mom married one guy, and, like, that was, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And I don't know how to explain it, but, like, that's how I feel deep down. And I think just a lot of people still feel that way. A really good way. I wasn't challenged along the way, A really good way to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a really good way to challenge that kind of stuff is to have a sex podcast. I love it. No, it's great. That's why I love what you guys do. But even through our podcast and like people we've interviewed, you know, we, I think we're oh, going to, yeah. we're going to do one on monogamy or polyamory. And um, I want to do one on arranged marriages because I, I feel like I totally viewed it a different way growing up. I was like, oh my God, that's so terrible. You know, they can't pick. And now I'm like, mm, that's not really a bad idea. Like I've never had a boyfriend. <laughs> Maybe my mom <laughs> should pick someone out for me, you know? I mean, in a lot of studies around arranged it is in a lot of studies around arranged marriages i think that they obviously they might not be separating for religious reasons but i think they also showed that people like worked harder mm-hmm. um i'd have to exactly quote this thing properly for our listeners because right. i know you care so much about that um but that they, they tried harder in the relationship because mm-hmm. it was like when that feels like your only choice mm-hmm. kind of like you work really hard to make the relationship so happen versus now I think we're in such a culture where we're so used to getting things like with an instant gratification mm-hmm. and so it's easier to just be like mm, on to the next one as opposed to like I'm going to really try to make this work like we really have to get to know each other yeah. and stay together wow it's almost like it's almost like ours are just built on like passion and like this thing we called love but those are based on like, it's like more practical. Which is such a disservice, like not only to myself and my personal relationships, but to all the clients I see because often people come in and think that they're having sexual problems, but mm-hmm. really it's just like the relationship is not hormone driven like it was at the beginning. Wow. And so they're, you know, people are disappointed and myself right. included are like upset when you hit that however many year mark or however mm-hmm. many month mark where it's like things aren't new and exciting anymore. Right. And then you have to put effort into sex right. and into the relationship and people think then there's something wrong. So I think love is the closest thing to magic we have in this world. Like I love that feeling. Of That's like when so you, Disney. But, but to <laughs> I love you, it. but when I hear you talk, I'm like, do you think love is just hormonal? 
Hmm. I mean, I think it depends how you define love. Like, mm-hmm. I, I personally believe that there's a difference between that early— Let's all define it. Okay. So, for me, like, real intimate love is a, like, long-term type of respectful commitment. It, it, I'm not saying it has to be monogamous, but a type of commitment where mm-hmm. you really work and put effort and, like— grow the relationship each day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that to me is love i think infatuation and like that quote-unquote in love thing to me is lust right is more at the beginning Mm -hmm. um and other studies have shown um that the brain looks similar at that beginning phase as it does like being high on cocaine right it's dopamine yeah and so you are like in kind of like a drug-induced frenzy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's different. And I think that fades over time versus the other type of um, energy that you put into the relationship as something that needs to happen ongoing that you kind of have to manufacture and make and choose to do. I I do believe love is a choice. My parents are still together. Like I do, I agree with everything you're saying. I think for me, my definition is just a step further where I think it would be one person committed to me for life. Mm -hmm. But obviously the more and more I live, I'm like, is this like a real thing that can, is this attainable, you know? Do you feel pressured to find a relationship more now because of your your job and your Heartbreak Anonymous group and, and all that? Um, I do feel, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Cause I, I'm such a person where I feel like I have to make everything happen for me in my life. So I feel like some days I'm like, I really need to dedicate time to like dating and like finding a person. And then other days I'm like, no, it's just going to happen. You know? So I, I kind of go back and forth. I like, don't know how I, but no, Heartbroken Anonymous isn't like, you know, encouraging me one way or another. Simone, how do you define love? I don't know. I asked y'all to, and I don't think I have an answer anymore. Like, I, I, and it's, it's so funny. I was, um, I was like talking with my best friend from college because I'm in New York now. And um, <laughs> she was like, yeah, you fall in love like all the time. And I don't really fall in love all the time. I just feel like there's something, the feeling, there's, there's feelings that I, there's feelings that I love. And part of those are like, this like, feeling of like cracking open your heart and like pouring Mm -hmm. it out and like someone else doing the same and you're just kind of like finger planting and all the stuff that came out. Right. So that's more saying that that it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's saying it doesn't have to be long-term that you can experience that deep love with someone in a connected moment. But Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference, but there's only so long that you can like finger paint in your heart blood for, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) So graphic. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. But like, I feel, and so like building on that, okay, we have this like deep, profound, like soul connection. I don't believe in soulmates, but I think you can be Mm -hmm. connected like very intensely and like saying, okay, this is a thing we like. Let's try to keep it alive. Let's also see if we're compatible in like mm-hmm. the ways we want to co-parent and like what's our sexual compatibility. Or co-podcast. And I think recognizing that like, <laughs> yeah. Or co-podcast. I love, Nicolette and I are still finger painting in our heart blood. I mean, um, technically you guys are in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of, and just like you're in a relationship yeah, right? with the people you do your podcast yeah, with. 100%. So like, I think it is about making those choices and like figuring out like if you have the sexual compatibility or the way you want to have kids together compatibility and then recognizing that like if you don't, like what are other ways that you can get that need filled? Right. And I also think that you bring up a really good point with the co-podcasting stuff. Like 
I don't know if there's necessarily a difference between like romantic love and friendship love. And I, I'm curious, Naz, if you have people that come to Heartbroken Anonymous over like friend breakups. Yes. Friend breakups is so huge. I and think I think those can be so painful. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, dude, they're the exact same. Because when you're giving, like we were saying, unconditional love to one person and you don't feel like you're getting it back. I mean, that's how a lot of people define friendships, I think, in my, in like my questioning to other people. Unconditional love? Just, you know, you're there for me as much as I'm there for you. I feel like that's how a lot of people define their friendship. And when they feel like they're always asking how the other person is doing and they're not getting anything in return or the other person isn't going out of their way to check in with them, I feel like a lot of people get really, really hurt. And I think it just goes down to the fact that we're all lonely. And I feel like, and it does suck because in friendships, a lot of the times it is one person doing more of the work than the other. Well, as we start to wrap up, um, I don't want to give away all of the support that you do in Heartbreak Anonymous because I want people to go and check it out. And I can't wait to refer clients to it. Oh, thanks. But I wonder if we could all give like, some of our best tips for like dealing with heartache. Yeah. Because we know that you can't fix it, but like how do we cope and what right. are some things that people have said has been mm. most right. most helpful? So the number one thing I would say is come to Heartbroken Anonymous second Thursday of yes, every month obviously. and listen to other people. Second going through- Thursday of every month in LA. Yeah. Listen to other people going through the same thing. But I also, I went to music and I think a lot of personal and self-growth comes from heartbreak. I, ironically, Heartbroken Anonymous wouldn't exist if I didn't have that worst heartbreak that I had in my life, like the worst heartbreak ever. Mm. Like I, the group wouldn't even exist. Like that was the reason. So a lot of the yeah. times good can come from heartbreak, um, growth, songs come from heartbreak, movie ideas come from heartbreak. Yes. So I think just putting your energy and time into yourself and reflecting on what you want um, just what you want. Do you even want a person after that? And if you do, what do they have to be like? What did you learn from that? Um, I don't know. I start working out. I think just going to therapy, meditation classes, listening to music, surrounding yourself with good friends that will understand and be there for you um, is great. And I think taking time for yourself is really important. I think a lot of people feel like they need to be happy the next day. And I think that's what's so shitty, right? And another reason why I started the group. because when impossible. You, when you get sick, you go to the doctor or you get, I don't know, like a paper cut and you can get like a Band-Aid for it, right? Or your doctor gives you a doctor's note and they're like, Nicoletta can't make it into work tomorrow. Because I got a paper cut. <laughs> but how, <laughs> exactly. Some of them are very severe. Like the one I have on this finger is so bad right now. I'm surprised you came in today. <laughs> I know. This is crazy. Anyways, so... You get a doctor's note, right? How fucked is it that like if you're going through a divorce or your dog dies or you you're sad because of unrequited love or you're crying because your daughter is autistic and you don't know how to handle it, like you just have to wake up the next day and resume life as is. Like fuck that. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's so dumb. And that's I always had that I to be fair, I started this idea called Heartbreak Hotel where like when you are heartbroken, you go to this hotel and there's like a bunch of puppies and there's a bunch of movies playing and people that are going through the same Why heartbreak. Why haven't you made this yet? I really wanted to. It was like a, you know, we you, need there's investors. a Kickstarter for it. Like you could check in, right? Kind of like a rehab center and then you leave when you just feel happy again because why the fuck are you sitting at it's work? It's like the lobster without the horrible ending. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I never saw that movie, but the trailer was insane. Um, <laughs> 
Oh so my God, yeah. that's such a good, it's one of my favorite movies ever. That was like my first original big idea. And then when I went through my heartbreak and met my neighbor, I kind of made it into more a realistic version, which is Heartbroken Anonymous. And I paid for it all myself and I wish I could do it all day, every day. I just started a GoFundMe for it because I'm like, all these people in different cities want me to come there. And I did a pop-up in New York mm-hmm. and it was so amazing. Like over 30 people came and they were all like, New York can feel like the loneliest city and this made me not feel alone. So I really want to branch out and make this bigger, but... Yeah, sorry. I know I like went on yeah. like a tangent there. No, that's there, amazing but... for our listeners. No, we want you to. I'm glad there's ways for people to support you. Yeah, we're going to post it in our Aww, show notes thanks, and on, on our social media so that if you're listening and you want to donate or you want it to come to your city and maybe help yeah. sponsor it, yeah. Um, pay, yeah. pay Naz. <laughs> I wanted to share one story that I did it that was like, if it's okay with you guys. But this one lady, Please. just so people, because I feel like people listening, you you really don't know what the meeting is like. So I have like, pillows and I have rugs and then I have pillows on top of them and we kind of just pass around a beanbag and you can just come and listen if you just want to listen or when you have the beanbag, it's your turn to share. And I was on the radio because I did an interview with KNX about Heartbroken Anonymous last year and this one woman was listening and it was that day of the meeting and she turned around and drove like in two hour traffic to come to this meeting and she like sits down and she was like, I'm dating... But I can't tell anyone because my parents love him and the community loves him. And I just had to drive two hours to tell someone that he is a terrible person. And everyone just started clapping. <gasps> and I will never I forget. Chills. I will never oh forget God. this woman in my entire life. And I'm, and I just wanted to kind of paint the picture for everyone listening. Because, you know, I just feel like the word meeting isn't like a good description of what happens. And and it's really incredible and crazy, you know, that people just have all these things bent up and they're like deep down, they're just like really hurting them and they just want to talk to I someone I wish I about had it. had this like two years ago. Yeah. But I'm so glad you have it mm, now yeah. and yeah. I can't wait to send people. I just want to echo what you. you said about like... I can't wait to need to go. <laughs> can't <laughs> well, wait you, to get heartbroken. You guys can come and just listen. I mean, sometimes well, people... Well, because we have other heartbreak stories, like you said. Right. Even if it's not a dating one, like there's stuff in my life right now right. that is heartbreaking. Or the friendship not heartbreaks. Yeah. Exactly. It's like way more. Like this yeah. one guy came in because he really wants to be a culinary um, chef and he works security at like um, basketball games. And he's like, I just feel like I can't get off my feet and can't find the motivation. And like, that was his heartbreak that he felt yeah. like he can never really just follow his dream. I'm going to, as long as I'm free, I'm going to come next month. It's yeah, sounds, you should it sounds come. amazing. You I would love to come. be there. Yeah. yeah, it's really... So speaking of following cool. dreams, how can people follow you and keep up to date on all you're doing and when you have the pop-up Heartbroken Anonymous and your podcast and... all the things and your work with the Dodgers (laughs) all the things so um so you guys can follow me at Naz Perez N-A-Z-P-E-R-E-Z on Instagram um and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast and at heartbroken underscore anonymous and also the website heartbrokenanonymous.com I'll always have like the events and cities we're going to on there and you guys can just click to reserve a spot there. I have them in LA and I'm planning on going to Chicago before the end of the year and I'm planning a New York pop-up in January but I'll have all that information. (gasps) Yeah! Oh my God, gotta get heartbroken before that. No, you don't, you don't. I don't want anyone to have to come. Simone, this podcast friendship is over. (laughs) Stop it. No, seriously, that just made my heart sink. You take that back. <laughs> I take it back. Oh, <laughs> I love <see>? you. <laughs> Friendships are fragile, guys. Hang on. I Hang was on just time. giving you motivation to go to the meeting. <laughs> yeah, I don't need it. That made oh, my heart. Oh, babe, I love you. <laughs> and you are missed. <laughs> okay, well, 
Uh, Naz, we fucking love you. Listeners, we fucking love you too. Um, if you want to keep up to date on all that we're doing, you can find us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. And you can email us with any questions or rants or raves or ideas for guests at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Bye.